is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. That, of course, is not the very distinct, melodic voice of the great one. It's your handy-dandy backup pitcher out of the bullpen again. Maybe a little wild tonight. May throw a few, you know, high, fast ones whizzing past your skull. Dan Bongino, talking about myself in the third person like Bob Dole. I am at Bongino on Twitter. If you want to tweet me during the show, if you want to comment, criticize, uh, whatever, we take them all here. If you want to call in, comment, criticize, whatever, again, we take them all. We love liberal callers as well. There's nothing I like more than a good argument. And maybe it's the former New Yorker in me. I don't know. But you're welcome to call as well, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. All right. So it is the day after Thanksgiving. I think I've hosted the day after Thanksgiving for Mark like three years in a row now. Yeah, I think I have. I have to check that out. But it is the day after. I didn't overeat yesterday. It is the day after Thanksgiving. I kind of went easy. I had uh, a pound of bacon for breakfast and six eggs. Yes, I eat like uh, I eat like a gorilla. It's pretty disgusting, actually. So I wasn't really that hungry at night. But, you know, I woke up today and everybody does this. Oh, what are you thankful for, stuff? And before I get to the content of the show, let me set up what I want to do. I want to do... I want to just debunk a lot of liberal crap that's out there in the media right now that's so easily debunked, by the way, that when we throw out some facts and data, it'll make a fool of liberals, but it'll give you some ammo after the holidays now, because unlike our liberal friends, we don't go to Thanksgiving dinner to argue with our liberal friends. We want, you know, peace and and, and prosperity and, and family goodwill during Thanksgiving. Liberals go to Thanksgiving dinner to argue, but now it's after Thanksgiving, and we need some ammo to get back in the fight. So there's a couple things going on in the tax debate on this net neutrality scam that somehow conservatives got caught up in. I, I see here in Florida these ads conservatives or a fake conservative group is running, conservatives for net neutrality. What, but now the party of government and the Internet now? So I want to debunk a lot of this liberal crap out there today. So don't miss the show. But before we start, Mr. Producer and I were talking before the show, and he said to me, and it was interesting because I, I, I said, man, I'm going to start with that. Did you see this video, this North Korean soldier trying to escape or he did escape at the dmz the demilitarized zone that heavily i've been there the heavily militarized zone between south korea and north korea folks when we're talking about these what we should be thankful for things after thanksgiving you should thank i mean thank god every single day i mean this for economic liberty and freedom Because economic liberty is political liberty. It doesn't really matter, and vice versa. It doesn't really matter who you vote for if they control your output. If you're an indentured servant to the state like you are in a communist country, it doesn't matter who you vote for. The next guy you vote for is just going to do the same thing. Did you see the video? What this guy went through, this North Korean soldier who escaped through, he speeds past the border. Paint a picture in your head right now. They chase him, these four or five soldiers, North Korean soldiers, they chase him with their, I think they had Kalashnikovs. I didn't, I didn't see the rifle they had, a 7.62 round. The guy crashes in the ditch to get away from communism and socialism, right? He runs out of the car. The North Korean soldiers drop to a prone position with their rifles. Boom, 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 boom. They, they hit him five times. The guy still makes it over to South Korea. A couple of South Korean, look like rock marines or something, get there. Uh, they grab him. 
they're in a prone position to. They pull them over the border. The North Koreans break every rule, by the way. They're firing into South Korea and actually running across the DMZ. But, you know, forget communists and rules. They don't actually, you know, they don't really care much about the rules. I think it's obvious. The guy lives. The guy lives, and they find now, I read this today, that he has um, hepatitis B, he has tuberculosis, which apparently is rampant in North Korea. He's been in, he's infected with, with all kinds of GI, gastrointestinal uh, parasites, and he was shot five times by the North Koreans. The only reason I bring this up is I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, folks. I just want to bring this up because I thank God every day I live in the United States of America at this time right now. You live in the greatest country in the world, despite eight years of Barack Obama, at the greatest time to be alive. We don't even think about this stuff. This is a country, thankfully, where you can go on Twitter. I have all. I, I do this a lot. And you can tear into your political leaders. And you know what? You have very little fear of being suicided unless you attack the Clintons. <laughs> well, in that case, some people have disappeared. But no, I'm just kidding. They I don't believe any of that stuff. But seriously, you can go after political leaders and not have to worry about any of this. You don't have to escape the United States of America. The reason I'm bringing this up is I saw a few weeks ago, I don't know if it was Legal Insurrection or whatever, it's a pretty good website I, I read. They had a poll where something like 40% of millennials think socialism is just wonderful, it's peaches and cream. And I was like, what are you kids smoking? Do you do any homework? Socialism, where North Korean soldiers run away from it, where they run away from it, they're shot five times, and they have intestinal parasites, and tuberculosis is rampant, people eat grass because they're starving. You mean that socialism, or is it socialism we missed? This is incredible. And as we were chatting before the show, another, Mr. Producer brought up another great point. He's like, you know, what do you think these anti-capitalist socialists do on Black Friday? I said, here's what they do. They stand out in front of shopping malls with their lattes and their iPhones, produced by capitalism, by the way, and they film the protests against capitalism as they take advantage of the fruits of capitalism and their ability to protest, by the way, which if they did it in North Korea... They'd have intestinal parasites, and they'd probably be shot to death if they tried to escape. But millennials, don't let that get in the way of a good argument. No, I mean, I'm not insulting all millennials. I mean it, because there's a lot of smart kids out there. I get emails all the time from them. They're like, hey, thanks for what you do. Appreciate it. I appreciate your emails. But there's a large swath of them that are falling prey to academia, Hollywood, and the media community that genuinely believe that this socialism crap is a good idea, despite the fact that it's probably the only place on earth where rampant intestinal parasites are a problem. By the way, as you're shot as you try to escape. Oh, man. It's like you want to shake some sense into these kids. Like, seriously? Come on, guy. All right, moving on. Sorry, but I had to cover that. Because the videos, if you haven't seen the video, by the way, see it. If your kids are old enough to watch it, go show it to them. Say, really? Your professor told you how wonderful socialism is? This is what people do to escape socialism. They take five, seven, six, two rounds, center mass to escape from it. Unreal. All right, so here's what I want to get into. Uh, you know, liberal hypocrisy is rampant, folks. I wake up every day, and it's become the... It's become the single focal point of my entire existence at this point. So every day I wake up with the thought, like, what liberal stupidity am I going to have to debunk today? And fortunately with liberals, it's it's very easy because they're, I mean, the, the stupid is strong with a lot of them. It flows heavily, it flows often, and all you have to do is basically go on social media or anywhere, Twitter or Facebook, and go to any liberal site or any liberal email list, and you'll find a litany of stupid, you know, five or six uh, pages long just to go through and dig through for content. So one of the things I found fascinating is there's this ongoing 
debate. It's been going on forever, but now it's become really acute because of the GOP tax bill out there. And the liberal talking head class, they're all out there on their social media accounts and all over cable news, spewing the same tired, nonsensical talking points they've, they've put out there for eons now. But I saw a story today, and I want to propose a scenario. I'll tell you the story, and I want to propose a scenario to you. And I want to show you how this story just completely obliterates all of the silly, ridiculous, liberal talking points they put out there. The story's about George Soros. Most of you know who George Soros is. You heard of him? George Soros is a billionaire, literally a billionaire. He's a very wealthy man. I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not, no problem with wealth. I'm a free market guy. That's great. Fine. Do your thing. But he's a far, far left guy who is, spuns a lot of groups out there that advocate for bigger government and what we would call sensibly liberal causes. Bigger government, higher taxes. So there's a story out there about him. This guy who wants, he spends his billions of dollars advocating for bigger government, higher taxes on the rest of us. He's moving $18 billion into some kind of a trust or some kind of a, a fund out there, where, or foundation, I should say, where he can escape tax liability. It's not illegal, not suggesting it is, but he's moving the $18 billion into this foundation as a way of avoiding taxes. And folks, this is important you understand the difference here, okay? Tax avoidance is not illegal. Tax evasion is. So he's avoiding taxes on this $18 billion to put in a foundation. Now, I find this a little bit ironic. Because George Soros' entire being, is, is, is he's mentally obsessed with this idea that all of us should pay higher taxes because, let's try to do, for the liberals listening, let's try to follow along and use logic and reason here. He's trying to pitch to the rest of us that paying higher taxes is some force for public good, right? Libs, if I'm wrong, correct me. Call in, 877-381-3811, tweet, whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your, your premise is that paying higher taxes is a force for public good. It will generate public good. It will generate positive externalities for all of us. This is a good thing. That's your premise. So if Soros is taking this $18 billion and he's moving it into a foundation, which is supposed to be some kind of a charity or nonprofit or whatever, how does that not refute his entire premise for being? In other words, if the taxes, were, if the money would have been better spent paying taxes on it because you believe higher taxes are a force for public good, then why do liberals not do this? Why don't they go out and pay more taxes voluntarily? Now, I'm, I'm going to read you a, a quote from a DeRoy Murdo uh, Murdoch piece in National Review a little later in the show, which is fascinating. About a little kind of live-time study that happened in Massachusetts when they offered this very thing. And, it, you know, you won't be surprised at the results. But it points out critically how liberals are complete hypocrites on this, and it's not just George Soros. Now, I get it that your comeback, I can already anticipate what liberals are going to say because I have to deal with these buffoons all the time. They'll say, well, you know, one person, I, I'm not going to voluntarily pay higher taxes because my one person tax bill, inflated tax bill, if I pay 100 extra dollars, isn't going to make a difference. No, 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 no. Time out, red flag under the hood for review there. That doesn't, that doesn't fly. Because conservatives don't use that argument. A lot of conservatives, and to be fair, some, a lot of liberals give to charity as well, but conservatives give to charity under no obligation whatsoever from the government to do so. 
knowing the same thing, that their couple dollars in the church basket or a couple dollars sent to whatever charity they choose isn't going to change the world, but it's a small piece, it's a small footstep to get there. So if liberals are saying that, listen, the government is a far better force for good, forget about charities and other stuff, the government's the way to do it, then why does George Soros take $18 billion and put it into this foundation? Why not just pay the taxes if the taxes are a force for good? Folks, I got more of this. I want to tell you about a debate I got into at a, at a fair in Montgomery County once, too, with a liberal who worked for a congressman in Maryland. Because they cannot admit the truth, that they don't really believe what they're telling you. They know your, your money, when it's given to the government, the form of higher taxes, is flushed down the toilet bowl. And that's why they do everything they can to avoid it. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino, uh, contributing editor at Conservative Review. <laughs> for a second, I forgot where I worked. I'm like, contributing editor, where do you, oh, yeah, Conservative Review, that's right. Contributing editor at Conservative Review, at Bongino on Twitter. Comments and criticisms, always appreciated. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. To the Mark Levin Show, Dan Bongino at eBongino on Twitter, in for the great one. Hey, did you hear the news? Like what news? What are, you, what are you talking about? So Mark is what a, this is like a match made. This is like peanut butter and jelly. Mark is going to be on Fox News. This is terrific. He's got a 10 p.m. show on Sunday, launching in February of 2018, called appropriately so, Life, Liberty, and Levin. Folks, that's going to be a can't miss. Get your EVRs ready. Uh, can you record out to February 2018? I don't think you can. Like, does the guide, you know that guide thing they have? It goes pretty far now. It used to go like a week. Remember, it used to scroll. Now you can scroll. Remember that, the old days? You guys remember that? Or are you too, uh, you too young for that? It used to scroll and you used to have to wait. You'd be, and if you missed it, you were like, damn, gosh, HBO, I just missed it. You'd have to wait like another half an hour before it scrolled. Now you can scroll yourself. But if you could go out that far, it would be time to TiVo. It's called Life, Liberty, and Levin. But, if you're jonesing for some more Mark now, you can always watch Mark on Levin TV. Of course, that's going to continue. Available at CRTV.com. At CRTV.com. They're running all kinds of Black Friday specials today. I work there, so I know. Love the place. Go to CRTV.com and sign up. You uh, you won't regret it. I take screenshots of stuff. I never print stuff out. It's not like I'm an environmentalist or anything. But I have a screenshot of that thing I was talking about, that article. By DeRoy Murdoch. And I, if I don't get to the whole thing, stay for after the break. Cause this is a kicker. This is just, this just will kick you in the teeth. It makes me laugh how liberals, they just never ever, they can never abide by their own principles. Their principles are all false. They're all phony. It's, it's a, it's a fraudulent, almost pseudo religious ideology. So, they're fighting these tax cuts now, the Republican GOP bill. And just to be clear, I have some beefs with it. I think they should have done more with the top marginal rate. I think they could have cut that back to the Reagan rate of 28%. I understand they're dealing with reconciliation and all kinds of crappy Senate rules that they have a tough time getting around, and I'll get to some of that a little later with the individual mandate. But, I, and I, again, I know people have called into Mark's show. Matter of fact, there was an accountant who called in a while back and gave a pretty, uh, you know, pretty bold breakdown of what, why he had some beefs with the bill. But I think on net, it's a better idea to fight for tax reform than to fight against it at this point, especially what's happening on the corporate side. But liberals will fight against anything. And this is why I warn any Republican who will listen to me, stop pretending 
that, you know, oh, if, if, if we don't reduce the top rate, we just leave it high on those, you know, rich people, then the media will leave us alone, and they, they won't say that we're fighting for the rich folks. They're, the media hates you, guys and ladies. They can't stand you. Like, what part of that are you not getting? It doesn't matter what you vote for. If you voted for a top marginal tax rate on the rich, and the rich was $150,000 or more, and that top marginal tax rate was 99%, the media would still go after you with their liberal cronies for being a class, uh, you know, for being class, uh, class warriors. They, you know, oh, you're fighting against the, the, the middle class and, and poor folks in favor of the rich folks. It's nonsense. It's garbage. Liberalism's a fraud. It's a bumper sticker. That's all it is. It doesn't stand for anything. So there's this piece in National Review. This is killer. DeRoy Modak uh, talks about this optional, he calls it a hot tax. And this is the greatest idea ever. That they should insert in the tax bill a hot tax. Hot tax, standing for, well, hot tax, as I said, I don't know, like it's like ATM machine, machine. Hot tax stands for high rate optional tax. tax. This is a great idea. What would the hot tax be? The hot tax would be a line inserted into the, the tax, all your tax filings now that allows all the liberals out there who swear higher taxes are a public good. It allows every one of you to pay the former higher rate. How is this not the greatest idea ever? Stick that sucker in the bill and let your Elizabeth Warrens and your Bernie Sanders argue against it. Now. After the break, I'm going to get to this thing that happened in Massachusetts and show you what kind of hypocrites these people are. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin, at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino out of the bullpen for the great one. At the Bongino on Twitter. Make sure you follow Mark as well, at Mark Levin Show. Yeah, it just, ah, man. Debating with these libs just drives me crazy, especially on the tax thing. Just pay more. Who's stopping you? No, 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 all our liberal listeners out there. Let me, let me just, let's do some basic, simple math here. It's not complicated. We don't need an abacus for it, all right? There's, what, 330 million or so people in the country? I saw a poll about, I don't know, 30% identify as, as, uh, liberals. Let's, let's say 10%, just to, you know, give them a, give them a break. That's a, you know, 10% of the country, right? So, what are you talking about? You're talking about 30 million people, right? 30 million people would be liberals in the country. Now, there is a box now for people to voluntarily pay higher taxes, but here's the weird thing. Almost nobody does it. It's not weird for us conservatives because we don't want to flush our money down the toilet bowl, but it's just weird because so many liberals, again, want you to believe that tax cuts are a horror show, that we should all pay higher taxes because it's such a force for public good, and yet almost nobody does it. So I'll get back to the hot tax in a minute, the proposal by DeRoy Murdoch to make a high-rate optional tax, which is genius, by the way. I love it. It's, at a, it's a piece of National Review, which is so good. And I will get to the Massachusetts thing in a second, but do some simple math here. So let's say there's 30 million liberals. Let's say there's 10 million liberals. Let's be fair to them. Take a guess, folks. Take a stab at this. We do you, you put the little Jeopardy sound that I do, 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 do. Take a stab at this. 
How much money do you think the federal government raises every year in voluntary higher tax payments? In other words, people who just give extra money because that's what they feel like they should do. What do you think? Now, liberals, I'll give you a few seconds here. I know this stuff is tough for you because it completely annihilates your argument, by the way, that you really believe taxes are a good thing. Well, one of the banner years for voluntary higher tax payments was about 12 million bucks. <laughs> 12, 12 million bucks? That's the best you got. 12 million dollars. So your entire livelihoods, the George Soros crowd, the far left, uh, wing nuts out there, your entire livelihood is based on getting us and everybody else to pay higher taxes. But yet when it comes time to buck up and pay yourself, you, you can do it. Nobody's stopping you. 12 million bucks. So you figure, let's, let's on the low end say there are 10 million liberals in the country. We know there are a lot more. If those 10 million liberals just gave two bucks extra each, you would almost double the haul to the federal government. They don't even give two bucks. What's two bucks anymore? I mean, you can't even get like a used Pokemon for two bucks. You can't get popcorn at a movie theater for two bucks. The local deli I eat in, you can't even get rye toast sans butter for two bucks. And you can't fork over two beans a year extra? And folks, by the way, that 12 million bucks, I'm sure some of that are, are, are substantial gifts from really wacko far leftists who genuinely believe that the government, giving the government money is a good thing. Hey, I disagree with them, but I respect it. At least you're principled, right? Turn over your dome, man. Hey, I did. I gave him a million dollars. I'll guarantee you some of that's like $100,000 gifts, which destroys the liberal argument even more. You're fighting against these tax cuts, yet you do nothing to lead by example. Now, for a second here, I'm serious. Can we just try to be logical and reasonable, use logic, like modus ponens, modus tollens stuff in college? Can we try to use logic? You're trying to tell us, liberal America, that, again, taxes and paying higher taxes are a good thing and that tax cuts are a bad thing. These are not good. These are collective ills. Tax cuts, bad. We'll resort to caveman mode. To, you know, Tax cuts, bad. Tax hikes, good. Yeah, that, I mean, that's all you've got. Yet, you do nothing voluntarily to lead by example yourself. And again, your, your, your comeback here that, oh, well, my individual dollars aren't going to make a difference is nonsense. People give to charity all the time. Understanding that their $20 check isn't going to change the world, but it's a small step forward. If you think taxes change the world for the better, then buck up. I'll tell you what. Before this should be the question, every talking head when they go on the I do a lot of these these uh, uh, hits on on Fox and stuff and where I have to debate liberals and the question we should ask every one of them that fights against tax cuts the first question out of our mouth should be, well what do you pay extra? No no I'm serious I'm not asking you to disclose you know your all your financial disclose your tax I just give me an idea like is it five to ten thousand is it ten to twenty uh, what do you pay extra in taxes? Watch the. Uh, uh, oh, uh, you know, uh, it's break, break. No, no, you don't get the call for break. You're not the show host. That's what, they panic. That should be the first question out of their mouths. Because listen, I give. I'd like to give more, and I'll be candid with you. I, I don't give. I should give more to charity. But the point is, I give. No one forces me to do it. If you're saying taxes are like a form of collective charity that we should all be doing it, then, then do it. Do it yourself. 
And DeRoy Murdoch's uh, piece there about a high-rate optional tax, please, if anyone in Congress is listening, I am begging you, please, about Rod Blum out there, he's a, he's a good dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he went on the House floor and made the case I've been asking someone in Congress to make forever. Show me where tax cuts in the past have cost the government money. He went on the House floor and showed it. I was like, yes, I love this guy. Put in the tax bill an amendment for a high-rate optional tax. It solves all of our problems right there, all of it, because we have all these liberals and all these Democrats who supposedly hate this tax cut. Well, no problem at all. You guys can all pay more. It's right there for you. We'll make it like a, you, you can make it like a fancy line. You can put it in bold. Hot tax, check box here. Choose rate you'd like to pay. And I'm sure, you know, for you liberals out there who love higher taxes, I'm sure that rate will be 70 or 80%. Knock it out, man. Have fun. Have a field day. Go right ahead. And, 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 and even better to the George Soros crowd. We should make a, a hot tax for the, for the death tax, the estate tax as well. And that estate tax, you should be able to give everything. I mean, why do you need it? You're dead. I mean, if you die, what do you care, right? You think the government's some benevolent force in society. We think it's, it's been a growing cancer. Why, you know, seriously, outside of our military and our, and our courts, what's left of them, the government has been a leech on us, on, on you forever. I mean, you finance the government. The government doesn't produce anything. The government takes, 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 takes. It's all they do is take. They're experts at taking. They take by force. Make it a high-rate optional estate tax, too. Leave us everything, everything. Old George, Captain Soros out there, you got you got a couple billion? Leave it to the G. Leave it to the government. What's the problem, buddy? Why be a hypocrite? Why, why put it in a foundation? Foundation? No, you need a foundation for. The foundation to argue for higher taxes? Why argue? Just pay the damn taxes yourself. You could probably finance the entire state budget of South Dakota just by giving money over there. Give it up. Such frauds. Now, I told you I'd uh, get to this. So in, the, in uh, the National Review piece by Murdoch, he points out, this is great, folks, how Massachusetts tried this. <laughs> this is classic. This is from his piece in National Review. Massachusetts hints at how little those who clamor for higher taxes actually pay when empowered to do so. The Bay State cut its rate from 5.85% in 2000 down to 5.1% today. (laughs) This gets good. Back then, Citizens for Limited Taxation proposed that the 5.85% rate remain available to anyone who rejected the lower rate. Since I'm sorry, I gotta laugh because it just uh, liberals never ever step up to the plate. Since 2002, folks, an average annual 1,200 of the state's roughly 3.5 million tax filers have embraced the higher rate. Keep in mind, the higher rate we're talking about a a small, small cut, 5.85 to 5.1. So of the state's 3.5 million filers, only 1,200 of the state's uh, filers took advantage of it, and they raised, folks. Wait, wait, wait. A quarter million dollars. Whoa. A quarter million bucks. Gosh, liberal Massachusetts, you libs are so generous. You know what the state budget is? Forty billion. Forty billion. They raised a measly a quarter million dollars. <laughs> this is great. You know, the you leave them an optional rate. We're not even talking about a big difference, a small tax cut, 5.8 to 5.1. And even then, 
liberals refuse to pay the higher rate. They just will never step up. This, Folks, this is all a fraud. This is all an act. You know, liberalism is a nonstop outrage campaign. An economic outrage campaign, an outrage campaign against holidays. You, you know, that, ev- liberals are a forest fire. Everything they touch, they destroy. Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving. What was there? Was a YouTube video yesterday of uh, what are they calling it now? Indigenous Peoples Day, and they throw the Thanksgiving. Did you see this thing on YouTube? They flip the table over, and you're like, ah, oh, oh, can we just eat a freaking turkey? Please, in peace, without liberals. I mean, Halloween, they're like, your costume, your costume, it's culturally insensitive. You're like, it is? It's a cowboy hat. You're like, yes, but one time long ago, a cowboy shot at an Indian. I didn't think of that. Oh, man, damn. I mean, it is a nonstop, perpetual, 24-7, 365 outrage campaign against humanity. Keep your money on a tax cut? What are you, conservatives insane? Give it to us. Well, do you give more? No, I don't give more, but I want you to. How about this? How about you shut your pie hole for a little while? How about that? After eight years of dealing with you guys and Obama emanating this class warfare nonsense from his soup cooler all the time, how about just keeping quiet for a little while? After eight years of sub-2% growth and the worst recovery from a recession in modern American history, just the facts, folks, just the facts. I know they're uncomfortable for you. Just the facts. How about just keeping quiet? Oh, and here's another doozy on the tax cut, by the way. Speaking of just utter rank, the, the stench of liberal, liberal hypocrisy. Just to sum up, liberal hypocrisy, point number one in the tax thing. You got to pay higher taxes. Okay, do you? No, I don't. Okay, so shut up. Thank you. Have a seat. See you. Bye-bye now. Bye, Felicia. Point number two. If, enough, if I see another liberal on, on any cable news channel talking about concerns about the national debt, I, I think I'm going to jump through my television. Well, it'll be kind of hard. It's only like a the, – the television in my office here is only about 17 inches. It might be painful, too. Disregard that. I, I'll – you know, you get a little hyperbole, right? I'm getting very upset at this, nonetheless. Now, all of a sudden, you're concerned about the debt. I get it. I totally get your argument. It is hypocritical for a lot of rhino Republicans who voted for big spending bills as well and did almost nothing to stop the debt. There are a lot of them, I agree, to be talking about the debt either. But for Democrats who said nothing about the national debt during eight years of explosive, explosive spending under Barack Obama, a rate at which we've never seen in American history, is not even comical. It's, it's, it's utterly ridiculous and outrageous. Just please take your, remember Obama said, you know, Republicans, you got seat in the back of the car. You, Democrats, don't even get in the back of the car. Just stay on the side of the road as we drive away. You have zero credibility at all on this. You're like a laughing stock. Do you understand how everybody watching you outside of the far left hacks out there is watching going, wait, wait, listen to the sound. You hear that? That's me scratching my head. Everybody out there scratching their heads going, wait, this is a Democrat who said nothing when Obama, tidal waves of red ink are coming ashore from Obama. And again, I I agree, a lot of Republicans had a lot to do. I totally understand. 
A lot of them have been hypocrites, too. But conservatives, have, that's not the conservative fight. That may have been the rhino and Democrat fight. But you opening your mouth after supporting eight years of Obama and the tidal wave of debt he created is farcical. It's a joke. It's a really horrible comedy act in a second, third-rate club where roaches are crawling on the floor. You must be kidding me. And I'll ask you this again. What do you guys stand for? If you really believe taxes are some force for public good, then I'm asking you a simple question. And, I'm, folks, I really mean this. I'm not being a jerk here, right? If you're a liberal out there listening, 877-381-3811 is the phone number here. 877-381-3811. And I will get to some of your calls, I promise. But if you're a liberal listening who can explain to me how that's not rank hypocrisy, the fact that almost nobody, just based on the numbers, liberal or otherwise, pays higher taxes and yet wants everybody else to do it. If you can call in and explain to me the logic there, I am, I'll let you talk. I'm, I'm, I sincerely would love to hear it. Because to all the rest of us who think reasonably, it stinks. Big time. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for the great one. You know, it's funny. During the break, I got the cable news on in the background. Like, tax reform talks, future of Senate bill, uncertain as GOP concerns grow. Oh, please, up on the hill, will you grow a set? No, I'm not kidding. Like, to you Congress people out there, I know some of you are listening on WMAL, a Washington, D.C. affiliate over there. Can you please grow a pair? Let me just throw this out there quick. I'm going to get this from calls, I promise. 877-381-3811. But I have to get this. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to throw Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener, a curveball. I'm going to take a call. But I just saw this, and it's like on my mind now. Will you please, like, have you been, have you been neutered? Have you all been castrated? Like, do you have any guts at all? Like, oh, I don't know. We're not going to get that. Wait, I have some concerns. All right, for one, right off Susan Collins, because she's not even a Republican anymore. You just need to get 50 plus one. That's it, meaning you can forfeit two people, okay? So get rid of Susan Collins and John McCain, who's probably not going to vote for anything anyway. With all due respect to his service, he's probably going to vote against it anyway. But now you still have the vice president, so you're still good. What, do you understand if you don't get this through, a good, and I do agree there should be some fixes, again, just to be clear. But do you understand that the GOP folks listening, I know you live in your little bubble, you're out there with your bow ties and your, your, you know, your sushi lunches and the lobbyists patting you on the back. And, hey, you guys are so great. You're not, okay? Uh, you're not. Nobody cares. Um, listen, I ran. I lost. I kind of, seriously, thank God every day I lost because it's such a cesspool up there. But will you seriously grow a pair and just pass this thing? Or pass a better version of it, even better. If you don't do this, it's. I'm telling you right now, it's over. It is over. It's over, Johnny. It's over. It is the, the midterms will be a bloodbath like you've never seen. It will be an electoral mess, a nightmare like you've never seen in your lifetime. You already screwed us over once on Obamacare. 
You only promised us for the last what, three, four years you were absolutely going to get rid of it. And then you mm, gut shot at us. We weren't looking. And now you're going to turn around on tax reform and you're going to bury us again on this? Guys, ladies, I don't think you understand the damage you're doing right now. Get it done. Grow some nerve. Gosh, whatever happened to the Valley Forge generation? I'm Dan Bongino. Here. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for the great one. Hey, did you hear the good news, by the way, about Mark and Fox News? He's got a new show debuting in February of 2018. It'll be 10 o'clock on Sunday nights, 10 o'clock Eastern. You don't want to miss this, man. It's called Life, Liberty, and Levin. By the way, it's a title that works really well for Mark. I wish you could get your, your DVRs ready now, but this is going to be a barn burner. So go check it out when it's in February 2018. It's going to be Sunday night, 10 o'clock Eastern on Fox News. And if you're looking for your Mark fix now, you can always go and watch Levin TV on CRTV. They've got a ton of specials today on Black Friday. Go to CRTV.com. That's CRTV.com. Go check out Levin TV. All right. Hey, Mr. Call Screener, cue up Eric, too. I know I said I'd take Ed. We'll get to Ed. But cue up Eric, because to be fair, folks, in the last hour... And I always like to be fair. I said, listen, I'm going to put this out to our liberal audience because I know we have liberal listeners. And by the way, if you're a liberal would like to call in, 877-381-3811. And I said, I am sincerely interested uh, as to why liberals who constantly clamor for higher taxes and want more of my money. I'm, I don't want to give it to you ever because you're going to waste it and you're going to flush it down a toilet bowl. But why liberals don't pay more? Why don't you pay more voluntarily? I have the numbers. I have the data. It's about 12 million bucks a year, the government. 12 million. That, that, that is a, a pittance. The government raises every year and voluntarily higher, uh, higher tax payments. Why? Why? Why isn't it a, uh, 20 billion? You're all libs. You all love higher taxes. Go ahead. Pay more. Lead by example. Show us, man. Show us the way. Show us the truth. Get a T-shirt made. I paid $10 million in higher taxes, and all I got was this stupid T-shirt. Do it. Lead by example. So I said, I'm going to put this out to the liberal audience, because I sincerely want to know why more liberals don't do that. So we got a liberal caller here, our friend uh, Eric from Los Angeles. So, Eric, are you going to explain this for me? I would really love to hear it. Go ahead. Hey there. There you are, Dan. Yes. Hello. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. I'm just wondering. I mean, we're going to cut the taxes. That'll be great. And then we're going to... Um, Increase military spending. That'll be great. But we're somehow going to shrink the deficit. No, I, I asked. No, we're not going to shrink the deficit because we're spending ridiculous amounts of money. I thought I was pretty clear that Republicans have contributed to this too. Did you miss that? So you're you're concerned about the deficit. Am I right, Eric? You're 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 a liberal who's concerned about the deficit. Am I am I well, correct? I, I just I just want to have all the I just want to get all the logic. Okay. Uh, so, well, first let's set up your what you're saying first. So when Obama ran up $9 trillion in, in deficits and, and additional debt to the United States government, and Eric, I agree, by the way, that Republicans have had a lot to do with this, too. So don't fire back. Bush did it, too, because then we both agree debt's a bad thing, and we don't care who did it, okay? So Obama ran up $9 trillion in additional debt to the government. Did you object to that or not? 
Well, it depends on what they're spending on. No, 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 no. It's a simple question. Now you're concerned about debt. You didn't mention anything about conditions. I'm asking you about Obama. Were you concerned about the debt and deficit then? Yeah, it's always a concern. Oh, okay, it's a concern. Okay, great. So now we both agree debt and deficits are a bad thing, right? No, that they're sometimes necessary. And uh, 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 nine trillion dollars is necessary. What, what was it necessary for? Well, it depends on what what the situation is. Okay, it so it was okay. So let me get this just so I'm clear where you are, Eric. The situation was all cool during Obama because it was necessary. But now that Trump, by the way, which is no, the still, continued, that out. Hold on, it's continued on autopilot. Now it's all bad, and we should all be concerned. I'm not saying we should all be concerned. I just want a coherent plan, and I don't feel like I'm being made to look like an idiot. On we're going to lower the debt. We're going to raise. The, we're going to lower the deficit. We're going to pay less taxes, and we're going to spend more money on the military. How do we? Do okay, that? fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I got you. I got you. I'm reading you. So we both agree. Let's just get for the for the listening audience out there. We both agree, Eric and Dan Bongino, that deficits and debt are a really bad thing. Okay, great. We're not, I'm not going to allow you to say, oh, it's a good thing under Obama and it's a bad thing now. No, no, be it's a, a bad thing. Okay, I mean, it's, in a it's, war, you pay, you have a deficit. So so now you're saying that it's a good thing because we're still at war. I'm saying it depends on what the situation is. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's move on because you can't give me a straight answer because you're not really principled on this, I can tell. So let me ask you a separate question then. When have tax cuts, income tax cuts, federal tax cuts? Don't give me Kansas. I know some liberals will call. I, I, I'm talking about federal tax cuts. Tell me a time where we cut the federal income tax rates and tax revenue has gone down to the government. Uh, go. We, we, the, uh, you mean the, um, the, the um, uh, no, I mean any time, Eric. Just tell me any time we cut taxes and tax revenue to the government went down. I'm waiting. They went, they went down after the, um, during, during, uh, no, they went up after the, I mean, no, they went down immediately under Reagan. They went, uh, they no, they didn't. Uh, what was, let me ask you a question, Eric, and I'll let you cheat. Go to your smartphone, quick. What did the federal government raise in taxes when Ronald Reagan get into office? Quick, what do you got? Uh, uh, you don't know. Okay, I'll help you because you don't know your facts. It was $500 billion. Reagan cut the top tax rate from 70 to 28%. What did the federal government, it's like Jeopardy, what did the federal government raise in taxes after Reagan left office? Go. You tell me. Ah, uh, $900 billion. Now, do you have an abacus near you or a calculator? I'm going to ask you a simple question, Eric. I know this is tough, but is $900 billion a greater or lesser amount of money than $500 billion? Go. It's a greater amount of money. Okay, thank you. So can you admit now what you just said is silly and wrong? What's what you mean? What I said? You just told me how I asked you when a time in U.S. history when tax cuts led to a decrease in revenue. You said the Reagan years, and I just yeah. summarily proved you wrong, which you acknowledged, and you still can't admit you're wrong. You offered one example at one. Okay, time. okay, all right, all right, all right, hold on, time out. The mic is yours. Give me another example of when we cut taxes and tax revenue went down. Go. In, in, in many subsequent situations. No, 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 just one, Eric. Just, listen, we're limited on time. Just please give me an example for our, our millions of listeners so you can prove liberalism is correct. Give me a time we cut taxes and tax revenue went down. Go. 
What, do you mean in Kansas, for example? No, like ever. I, I, what did I, I knew it. I knew it. Well, I'm going to have to read off the Kansas tax table. I knew he was going to say that. Folks, this is all they've got. I'm asking you about the federal government because we're debating federal income tax rates. Just give me one time, Eric. I actually predicted you would say Kansas, and you did, which is amazing. I thought after I called you out, you'd avoid that. But, of course, you go right to the talking point. Give me one time the federal government has cut taxes and tax revenue has gone down. Last shot. No. Did he hang up? Dude, Charles, did he hang up? Oh, dude. Remember the Rob Schneider YouTube piece about the 65,000 ways to say dude? You know, there's like a serial killer around the corner or something. And you're like, dude. And then you're really surprised. You're like, dude. That is what, this is one of those when the liberal caller hangs up because you entirely annihilated his argument. This is one of those you shake your head and you go, dude, really? You call in to the – I, Mr. Call Screener, did I not give him the opportunity to go to his smartphone? I sure did. Go to – just cheat. Go to your smartphone. These liberals, they call – it's like they have no time to prepare, they act like. The guy was on hold for like 20 minutes, okay? He could have just sat there and Googled it and found one example. When did tax revenue go down? The answer is it didn't, like ever. Like Coolidge, like Kennedy, like Reagan, like Bush, we cut taxes, tax revenue did not go down. I'm not telling you it's causal, I'm just telling you the facts. The dude's got nothing. And yet they call in with Mark's millions of listeners to fight the liberal fight with no facts and data at all. Now, folks, I have a theory behind this stuff. And listen, Eric, I appreciate you listening. It's great. Really, it's not personal. I know he thinks it is. But... If I'm going to be serious for me, because I know I get sarcastic a lot on the radio, it's very rare for me to be serious, because I'm, you know, I'm a New Yorker. I have a tough time with that kind of stuff. Grew up kind of tough. I don't like being serious, even about myself. But I take this responsibility very seriously. I mean that. Mark lets me sit in on this show. He has done years, if not decades worth of work, building up a very credible and rather large audience here. I'm not saying that to plant one on his butt. He doesn't need it. He doesn't care for it. He doesn't tell me what to say or what to do on the air or anything like that. He's like, hey, you want to fill in? I'm not going to embarrass him or his audience. I mean it. I'm not going to come on the air for you listeners out here, allow liberals to call him, which we do, because I welcome their opinions on this, and be embarrassed. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If you catch me on something and you're a lib out there, you know what? I'm caught, I'll correct it in the next break or whatever. I've done that before. But don't you find it a little strange that Mark has millions of listeners? You put out the phone number to the show across the entire country, and not one liberal can call in and give you one example of a time where we've cut taxes and tax revenue's gone down? Folks, do you find that a little strange? Do you find it a little odd that the one guy who calls and gets through, you tell him, hey, do us a favor, cheat, go to your smartphone and look it up, and he still can't find it? He goes, oh, what about Kansas? Folks, the tax situation in Kansas had everything to do with exploded spending and a poorly designed tax reform than it had anything to do with actual tax policy as conservatives would have had it done. It was a mess. It had nothing to do with the governor. He wanted to control spending out there. The rhinos out there and the, uh, the Democrats teamed up to spend a boatload of money. It had a lot to do with incorporating federal stimulus spending and assuming that was going to be their new baseline in the future. Liberals love to point out Kansas, but they never point out Texas or Florida. Do you notice that? 
And by the way, they don't point out that in Kansas, by the way, their unemployment rate went down. They're very competitive in the region. Now, that's even after what I think everybody can acknowledge was not the best designed tax reform in human history. And by the way, the tax receipts in Kansas have pretty much recovered. But that's the only thing they have. I asked him one simple thing. One thing. Please tell me where they've cut taxes and the tax revenue has gone down. Uh, 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 they, they, they can't respond. I mean, how hard is that? Just like go to the interweb if you're so confident. Oh, man. Is that, <laughs> I, I, you know what? Guys, you got to send me that call sometime. <laughs> that might have been like the greatest call ever. Because it is. That's, that's what liberals do. All right, I got a lot more to get to. I want to talk about this net neutrality thing, too, folks. This is a total scam. Don't be a sucker. Nothing neutral about net neutrality. And definitely do not be a conservative sucker for this thing either. How we're introducing the government into the Internet to solve any problem is quite laughable. I'm telling you. It is a, it's a total nightmare. I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about this. I know Obamacare, you cringe, you know, but I'm going to try to get to this too. There is a, you know what? I don't even want that. Well, when I explain it, I explain it. If I tease it, I'm going to lose all the good points. But it's a really, really good story. Again, how liberals—they don't only not help you; they actively like kick you in the teeth. It's like they actively hurt you, and they're—they celebrate it when they hurt you too, which is amazing. I don't mean physically, but with their policies. All right, I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Yes, yes, welcome back, Dan Bongino, at DBongino on Twitter, filling in for Mark, make sure you give him a follow, at Mark Levin Show. You know, I, I've been doing this for Mark for a while now, about, I don't know, three years plus. And I got to tell you, that was my favorite moment ever, that call with Eric. That really was. We were even talking in the break about it. That was great. I asked liberals just to call liberals to call in and just do one thing. Tell me why you don't pay more voluntarily in taxes. The guy totally blew it. He had one opportunity. All right. I, I got to move on, though. Why are people out there being suckered by this net neutrality thing? Folks. I've seen conservatives, by the way, disturbingly arguing for this. Now, let's set up what we're talking about here so I don't just randomly throw this out there. You're like, that's kind of a change in direction. No, it's not. It's just it's another liberal plan to get the government to control the Internet, which, by the way, would be a total epic disaster of historic proportions. But amazingly, they've managed to sucker in some conservatives on this, too, who I just don't think they know the what's really going on. I mean, I'm trying to be nice about this. Net neutrality is a scam. It is the biggest scam out there. It is it is a scam so big that I think it confuses people, and it's hard for them to understand, and they think, um, yeah, fairness. I even saw an ad uh, down in, I'm in the Florida market. I'm in Florida Congressional District 18, which is a swingy district, so I'm not surprised that they're running ads down here. And in the ad, they're like, this is conservatives for net neutrality. Tell Donald Trump uh, that, that we should not let the fake news media be controlling the Internet. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is genius. Getting conservatives to believe that introducing the government into Internet regulation is a good thing. That is a, that's a real stroke of fancy right there. That's amazing you believe in that one. Folks, what is this thing? This is based on the faulty, ridiculous premise that 
throttling or the prioritization of web traffic, whether it may be Netflix to your house, that speeding it up for some people, slowing it down for others, that this is a problem that is somehow going to be solved by government. Now, let me acknowledge first that Netflix has already acknowledged, by the way, that they slowed down their own traffic. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that this stuff hasn't happened in some way, shape, or form. There have been some retail wholesale disagreements. There probably has been some slowing of web traffic. Like I said, Netflix acknowledged they did it themselves to save customers on their data. I am I, Just to be crystal clear, because I know I'm going to get tons of email on this, because people are really passionate about this. I'm not suggesting to you that there aren't problems out there and how the web works now, how it's distributed to your house, how you watch Netflix, how you get web traffic to your computer. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply suggesting to you, what rationale could you possibly give me for believing that the government somehow is going to fix this? Now... There's a really good article I saw in Reason Magazine where they interview Ajit Pai, um, the, the new FCC chair, who's been great on this, who's trying to get rid of this archaic government regulation of the Internet. And he gives a, he, he gives a great pitch. He's like, listen, don't you find it a little odd that the attack, that, that, that when net neutrality under the Obama administration was pushed, one of the first things they went for, folks, the government, under the Obama administration, was not the evil rich people who were paying, you know, paid prioritization. Are rich people going to get faster internet and all us poor people are going to left out in the dust? No, no. No, no, no. That's not what happened. This is another example of liberals pretending to help you while they're knocking your teeth out with brass knuckles. The first thing they went after was zero rating. You're like, well, what the heck is that? Folks, zero rating was quite literally giving away free data under certain conditions to people who are, you know, meet certain financial conditions or sign certain contracts. The, these companies were giving stuff away for free. And the government's like, no, no, we can't have that. No, no, we, we're going we're gonna to make sure lower-income folks and middle-income folks pay more. We are going to make absolutely sure. Why do you think these people have the solution to this problem? They could not... They could not fight their way out of a soaking wet cardboard box, folks. And you really think the government is going to regulate the Internet? Gosh, this is like a sucker's trick. I got one more thing I want to talk about then on the other side of this break. Don't miss it. I'm Dan Bongino, at DBongino on Twitter. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. Be right back. Than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877 381 3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at D Bongino on Twitter, filling in for the great one. Always love being here. Thanks for having me, folks. Thanks for listening. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And I appreciate all your feedback on Twitter, social media. Make sure you give Mark a follow as well at Mark Levin Show and follow at Levin TV. On Twitter. So before the break, I was talking about net neutrality, which is a scam. It's a scam. And what's puzzling to me sincerely about this is how some conservatives, it's a small group, believe me, but some conservatives are getting suckered by this. Here's what this is, and, and it's most basic, because there's, there's really no need to get into the wonkery. Liberals love to puzzle you with wonkery to confuse you from what they're really doing. It is a price control on basically internet internet services it's a price control 
I'm going to ask a basic question to our liberal friends or conservatives who support this. I'm, I'm serious. Who call in 877-381-3811. I'm open to hearing your take on this. But where is a price control worked before in the past? Now, for those of us who studied basic economics, I love it. It's my passion. A price control, in other words, where the government says, no, you will basically charge this, or we will tell you what you can charge after you submit your pricing plans to us. Where has that worked in the past? Where? Can you give me an example? Because I can give you the a step-by-step of what happens every single time. The free market doesn't price something, but the government does, the Internet included. What do you get, folks? Well, when the government puts a ceiling on a price, just like they did with Obamacare through community rating, and they said, hey, by the way, um, we're going to put a three-to-one ratio in for older people's health insurance in contrast to younger people's, and health insurance companies can't charge more. Completely disregarding, by the way, that people who are older, obviously, you're older, you're going to be a little bit sicker. Time takes its toll. It's taking its toll on me now at 43. Gosh. The ratio is closer to five to one. So it costs five times more, not three times more. But, oh, no, no, the government said it costs three times more. So, of course, the money fairy came in and made all that go away. (laughs) That's not exactly what happened. Of course, your premiums went through the roof. The Internet's going to be no different if we allow net neutrality to stand. Price control leads to these things every time. It leads to increased demand for the product. Folks, this is simple economics for liberals. Econ 101. It's not even 101. It's like .0001. Why would it lead to increased demand? Because if the government says you can only charge, whatever, $10 for the product, and the product is worth $50, a lot more people are going to try to buy it. That is only hard for liberals to understand. If the government put a price control on Ferraris tomorrow and said you can only charge $50,000 for a high-end Ferrari, I promise you the demand for Ferraris would go through the roof. What Liberals, what am I – is anything I'm saying here tough? And unbelievably, for some Republicans who support this, is anything I'm saying there tough either? The government puts a price cap on something not determined by the market, a cap. There are price floors too, but let's deal with price ceilings now says it's cheaper, you must sell this cheaper than you should sell it for in the market. Demand goes through the roof. Well, what happens at the same time demand goes through the roof? Supply drops. Well, why would supply drop, folks? Why would the supply of Internet services, by the way, broadband investment decreased 6% uh, subsequent to net neutrality, but don't let the facts get in the way, folks. Why uh, Why would supply of the product drop? Just think for a second. You don't need to be an economics major to figure this out. Supply would drop because if Ferrari is forced to sell their Ferraris for $50,000 and the market price of the product is $250,000 and the labor alone costs 100000 to produce it, why the hell would Ferrari sell it for $50,000? they would say, get rid of what we have now and don't produce another car. <laughs> I, can't, I, I get it. This is really tough for people who have a tough time with math. But how is this difficult to understand? When the government comes in for Internet services and says, you will sell at this price, and they can't recoup their costs for that price, they're just going to stop investing in it, by the way, which is exactly what happened. Broadband investment dumped 5 to 6%. This is, these are just facts. They're, they're out there. You can see them. They're on the interweb. Go look. <laughs> this isn't hard. What else happens when the government institutes a price control? So you get increased demand because the product's too cheap. The product's cheap. 
It's artificially cheap. Everybody wants it now. Ferrari, 50000 Give me one. You get decreased supply because Ferrari's not going to sell a Ferrari for $50,000 if they can't even recoup their costs on it. What do you also get? You get quality problems. Why do you get quality problems? Because if the government then says, well, Ferrari, listen, um, you're going to still continue to produce that under the force of law, and you're going to produce it for 50000 just like we told you. Kind of sound like Obamacare, by the way. You're going to produce insurance at this ratio, even if we tell you to do so. Insurance companies had to produce it. So what they have to do? They had to raise their prices on everyone else. So you're going to get quality problems because one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to offload the costs elsewhere, in other words, to people not buying the product who were forced to pay a lower price, they're going to offload it to someone else. Or you're going to get a really crappy product and a really terrible Ferrari because they're going to be like, all right. And, you know, this Ferrari's great, by the way. No knock on them. I'm just everybody associates them with quality, so they're a great example here. If Ferrari was forced to produce their car, their high-end car, for $50,000, you are going to get a $50,000 car, which may be a nice one, but it's not going to be the Ferrari you get now. You also get black markets, typically, which is tough with the Internet. But, folks, price controls don't work because the government is too stupid to do it. Now, here's what they call it under net neutrality in the scam. They call it, we're trying to stop paid prioritization. Oh, what do you mean, free market pricing? Where else has stopping, quote, paid prioritization worked? Well, I mean, if we're going to, if people can, and this is the, the stupid liberal class warfare argument on this. That, again, amazingly, some other people have bought into. They're like, well, we can't have people paying for a faster product. Really? It happens all the time. Like everywhere. You want to get on the airplane quicker? You can, you can do this. You can pay Southwest to board quicker. I do it all the time. Because I, when I go on the road, I, I carry my own equipment for my road show. So I have to board quicker because I can't, the equipment's expensive. I can't check it. I pay to board quicker. You want to stop that, too? Oh, you can't have that. Paid prioritization. <laughs> no, no, you need to board with everyone else. But I can. I'm willing to pay more. And shockingly, again, economics point zero 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 one. when I pay more to board in the A group on Southwest, your ticket is cheaper because I'm the idiot who has to pay more just to get a seat I don't even like. Typically, which is what happens, just so I can get overhead space. But your ticket is cheaper because it's not, it, listen, it's just not a priority for you to board quicker. You're like, whatever, I'll board when I want. I, my ticket's cheaper. Yours is cheaper because other people are paying more. Airlines are a great example here, too. Paid prioritization. People pay for first-class tickets. Folks, I'll be honest with you, I rarely, if ever, Fly first class. I think twice in my life I've flown first class, and they were oh, we were upgrades. I did not pay. I do okay. I am not rich. I promise you, and I'm, I'm probably not rich enough to fly first class anyway. But I've been upgraded a couple of times. It's really sweet first class, by the way. It's awesome. I love it. But I I don't see value in it. For me, it doesn't make sense. I fly typically from Florida to Washington and Florida, D.C., that is, and, and Florida up to New York. For me, it makes no sense for a two, two-and-a-half-hour flight to spend double the money to get a couple extra bags of peanuts and a drink. It doesn't make sense for me. I'm not knocking anyone else who does it. And you know what? I'm damn proud that some people have the freedom to get paid prioritization to pay for first class because what does that do? It makes our seats back in coach or whatever cheaper. Because some guy wants to pay for an extra bag of peanuts. 
I, I know this is tough for our liberal friends, but why do you think these economic principles somehow don't work on when it comes to the Internet? Do not fall for these, for these, uh, these, <laughs> I was a talker, I was a Freudian slip, I was watching Fox. These sucker scams and these commercials out there, like conservatives for the internet, you don't want CNN and fake news and determine, it's nonsense. You do not want the government regulating the internet. It is a scam. All right, let me take a call here. Let's go to uh, John, he seems to have some knowledge on this from El Paso, Texas. John, you're on with Dan Bongino, what do you got for us? Good. Hey, John, how are you, buddy? You there? Hello. Yes, yeah, I here. hear you. Lima Charlie. All right, go ahead. Well, uh, I just wanted to say that I don't trust governments to do anything that should be performed by the private sector in the first place. <laughs> yes, bingo, me either. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Why? I mean, I know no. why. I I can guess why, but go ahead. I'll give the floor is yours. Well, first of all, I was in the military, and I had dentists. <laughs> and... Uh, Dentists didn't do a good job. They were, you know, uh, military paid dentists. They were mostly uh, interns. Right. And they uh, did stuff that cost me out of my own pocket after I got out of the military to fix the stuff they screwed up. Eesh. Sorry to hear that. Well, thanks for your service. Sorry to hear that. But no, I mean, but, I think, yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's light duty compared to everything that the government screws up all the time. You know, in the private sector, uh, we have so many advantages to make things better and make a profit and make a better living. And people just don't understand the idea that they need to work for what they get. Yeah, and, and I think, John, what people fail to grasp who don't have an understanding, and I'm not talking about complex, advanced economics here, but people who have a really hard time understanding even basic economics, what they don't get is it's about incentives. When you create a government system, a government system of rules, the rules are always going to be slanted to maintain the party in power. It's power. They're going to cater to lobbyists and people who can pay for them. And I appreciate the call, John. Thanks for calling in. When you are in the free market, in the private sector, I hate the word private, but the free market out there, your incentive is to satisfy your customers. And the story about Obamacare I want to talk about. I know, folks, we get tired of hearing about Obamacare, but this is another one of those net neutrality type stories where you shake your head and you're like, how are people falling for this crap? It's puzzling how people don't understand that in the free market, your incentive is to satisfy your customer. If you don't satisfy your customer and he doesn't transfer his income to you in, 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 in the process of buying your product, you run out of money and you go out of business. The government has no such incentive. And setting up a, a system out there of price controls and calling it net neutrality under the idea that, oh, uh, what do they say? A bid is a bid is a bid. They're going to treat the net fairly. What does that mean? Folks, what does that mean? How is the government going to make anybody treat anything fairly? I told you the first thing they went after was not rich people and, and paid Internet fast lanes. The first thing they went after was middle and poor folks out there who could have got the Internet for free. It, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. All right, got to take a break. I appreciate the call, John. Thank you very much. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, contributing editor over at Conservative Review. Make sure you give Mark a follow as well, at Mark Levin Show. And give us a call, 877-381-3811, if you want to join the show. We'll be right back. Mark Levin.
right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, contributing editor at Conservative Review, at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to comment, criticize, I try to read them all after the show. I love your feedback. If you want to call in, 877-381-3811. I did get some tweets during the break. Some conservatives, I'm telling you, like, no, you're wrong on net neutrality. I, I don't get it, folks. I don't get it. I don't understand how you think the government is going to regulate the Internet and fix these problems. I genuinely don't get it. I get how liberals would think that. I don't understand how conservatives would think that. I said I'd get to some calls, and Ed's been holding for a while. So let's take Ed from, is that Graybull, Wyoming? Ed, you're on with Dan Bongino. What do you got for us? Hey, Dan. Good to talk to you. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I think you do a great job. I love your enthusiasm, but it's not just the enthusiasm. You're right on with most stuff you talk about. Thank you, sir. And I, I catch you on the other shows, too. I like that. You're, no, you thanks. should have your own busy. show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. It's nice of you. Uh, what I wanted to mention was, and this gives me a chance to tell everybody out there, I've been trying to think about how I could do this. You know, there's hope. There's hope because we have young people. And I want to give you a little quick story about my nephew. I'm 72 years old. Okay, I'm about 30 years older than you, and I'm about 50 years older than he is. I was in the military. I worked on atomic weapons. I know all about that kind of stuff. It's what you hear is baloney because most of the people running their mouths don't know what they're talking about. I'm sure you're aware of most. (laughs) Yes, very. Okay, I understand. My nephew is 23 years old. He's on his second hitch in the army. Five years now. He's a corporal. He's an airborne ranger. He's done two Afghanistans and Syria. He's tough as nails. He hates being a millennium. He even says it himself. He says he doesn't know how they survive. He doesn't, you know, they're like sheep, he says. And and being one, well, he stepped out of it. And he stepped in as a leader. And there's bunches of them out there. You just don't hear about them. Yeah, no, it's good, Ed, and thank you for the call, Ed. I appreciate it. That is good news because there is the, this generation is the pajama boy. A lot of them generation, and it's very disturbing. They, there's just uh, there's no seemingly hard edge to them. All right, let me go to uh, Bob in what is that, Nesita, Wisconsin? Bob, you disagree with me? You're saying capitalism is bad? <laughs> no, come well, on. Well, no, 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 no. I, I I don't disagree with you. It's not bad, but I okay. have an example that I wonder and worry about. And okay. this is, I'm 58 years old. First of all, I want to say, long-time listener, first-time caller. Cool. Uh, never got through the mark, but it got through to you, and I listened to you as well. Thank awesome. you very much. Love your show. Yes, sir. Um, back in the 70s, cable TV started coming out, okay? Yeah. Uh, everybody, we were watching regular TV, lots of commercials. Uh, you know, we all know the drill. Yeah. Um, slowly, they sucked us into buying cable TV, then we went satellite, no commercials, no commercials, you're paying a monthly bill. Now we're paying probably two to three times the amount of that bill. Yes, we have more channels, many of which we don't watch, okay? Okay. But to me, when you when we mention uh, capitalism, we got to make a profit. A profit, yes, but right now our cable television, satellite TV, is so full of commercials, they were they're making. Yeah, Bob, Bob, hold on, I'm, I'm up against a break in a minute, so I, I want to make sure. So your your point is that is that is that what that the government should come in and fix this? 
They're making a killing, not a profit. Bob, Bob but how is the government going to fix that? No, no, no. I don't want the government to fix it. Okay. All right. Well, we agree on that. But, Bob, I, I would make the case to you strongly. One, what you're saying is not inaccurate. I'm not taking a shot at you. But people are already fed up with a lot of cable companies, and cord cutting is hitting, and cord nevers, by the way, people who cut the cord are people who dump cable, and cord nevers who've never had it are growing at a really rapid rate. So I, I, I'm not sure. What you're saying is correct. I mean, the prices have gone up. I, I pay. I have cable. I Personally, I like it. But I'm just trying to make the point, Bob, that you have the power. They don't. People are cutting the cord and are using things like CRTV and other places as well. You see Hulu and these other Netflix and these things. So, you know, government has the power there. I'm not, I'm, I think you're giving the cable companies way, way too much credit. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, at Bongino on Twitter, in for Mark. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. In for the great one. Make sure you give Mark a follow as well, at Mark Levin Show. This is, <laughs> this is great. Under my, I have a bunch of like show notes and stuff. I keep notes for content, and I do content at Conservative Review too. So I'm always keeping stuff in front of me. And underneath it is, <laughs> I had forgotten I'd done this. Is my daughter, my my five year old's Christmas list, folks. This is classic. She must have. I, I think what she did. <laughs> Is because she just learned to read and write, and obviously her writing is good, but it's a five-year-old's writing. And I think she just went to like the, the American Girl thing and the toy magazines and whatever, and copied directly from it. This is classic. Ice cream, Sitna. I have no idea what that is. Ice cream. I, so Santa, if you're listening for my five-year-old, she wants the ice cream, Sitna. <laughs> she she wants the. Calico critters? Is that it? It's yes, calico critters. She has a crillers, but it's calico critters. She wants. <laughs> this is a doozy, right? I promise I'll get back to this. This is just really funny. She wants the the train track, the train track, not the train track. The tra- I love my daughter. She is the cutest thing ever. But this is classic. The train track, and she wants she wants the school bus. Uh, Okay, uh, those are expensive. Like the big school bus, there's got to be about 70k, or is it like the shorter school bus? Which which school bus do you want? I'm assuming it's like a Barbie school bus. So this is just awesome. And at the end, she wraps it up with uh, she wants the the Barbie pony, which is probably the cutest thing ever. This is great. This is just classic. I gotta take. You know what I'll do? I'll put this on my Instagram if you all want to take a look at it. It's the funniest thing ever. The train trank. I'm going to have to ask her what this is. If you're listening, get my daughter the, the train trank. <laughs> Kids, you got to love them. All right. So we just to sum up where we've been, we opened up the show talking about how liberals are, again, just not being genuine on taxes, folks. I, they're, they're upping their rhetoric with now that this tax cut bill looks like it has a shot at passing. 
they're upping their rhetoric and they're getting more and more hostile. They're concerned about two things and they're fraudulent on both. The first thing they're uh, they're concerned about, which is a total nonsense, is they're yo you know the taxes, the taxes. People are going to pay less. Okay, so let's insert a, a, a portion into the bill, an amendment into the bill, which allows all of the liberals who don't like it to pay the higher rate. I'm good for that. There you go, libs. Lead by example. Secondly, all of a sudden, liberals are concerned about uh, debt and deficits, which is absolutely, utterly ridiculous. After Obama, you've lost all credibility. Please pipe down on that one. We talked about net neutrality a little bit. And I, I, I really, I, I know it's not the most mind-blowing topic in the world, but I'm really genuinely puzzled, folks, again, how some conservatives seem to be getting snookered by this thing, too. I just want to ask a simple question. I'm going to leave it at this. You know, maybe I'll, I see there's a, a call coming in on this now. There's a couple calls out there now. Maybe I'll take them, but I want to ask a simple question, uh, question to our liberal audience about the government regulating the Internet. Please give me one area, arena, service, product, whatever, that the government has regulated or exerted a high degree of regulation over where cost and quality have increased and gotten better. I'll, I'll wait. But it'll be air silence for the next uh, 50 minutes because nothing, you, you won't be able to tell me anything. Again, I'm not trying to be as smart with you. I'm not trying to be a wise guy. I'm just genuinely asking, like, what? where has the government gotten involved? What, the student loan industry? College prices have exploded. Student loan debt is defaulting at an astronomical rate. Government regulated that. Government regulated health care. We know what a wonderful job they did with Obamacare. And I got a story on that. I know I keep teasing, but it's really interesting about how the government screwed that up. Is there, the government could be actually killing people right now through Obamacare. Not intentionally, but their policies are leading to increased deaths. I mean, what, what have they done there with your retirement? Social Security's bankrupt. Their own actuaries have said it. Their own actuaries have said, listen, there's no money. Listen to me. There's no money. There's no money there. The money you're getting now from Social Security payments are coming from our paycheck. It's not your money. Your money, you yes, you paid into it, no doubt. I'm not questioning that at all. And it's not your fault, by the way, the government screwed it up. If you're a senior citizen now on Social Security, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying the government took your money and spent it. That's all gone. There's no lockbox. It's a myth. I mean, so the government screwed up your retirement, it screwed up health care, it screwed up the student loan industry, it screwed up public schools at the local level. And you think now, what with the Internet, now all of a sudden they figured it out. It's, it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. All right. Now we'll get to some of your calls, too. 877-381-3811 if you want to call in. This is one of those stories, finally. Get to it. I, I'm really. I don't like to do like the tease thing forever, but there's so much good stuff to talk about, folks. I feel like I'm doing you a disservice if I don't, you know, wrap things up and sum things up for you. I want you to leave and hopefully feel like you had a good three hours of, uh, you know, good learning experience with the show. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. You know, it's Mark show. Have I told you? You know, I found Mark. By the way, I was listening, I was coming home from a, a Secret Service assignment in the Dignitary Protective Division. I get in the car and I turn on WMAL. This was years ago, and I hear, "Get off the phone, you big dummy!" I'm like, "This is the best show ever." I was addicted ever since then. So again, this is one of those stories that makes you cringe. So we all know how bad Obamacare is. We don't need to relitigate that. It's terrible. We get it. Obamacare sucks. Full stop. Okay. But the Wall Street Journal has been covering this for the past couple of days, and they've been all over this story. And it's about this one provision in Obamacare, folks, that is just absolutely devastating. They have a readmission provision in there, and it goes to show the failure of government planners, how they can never plan for what the free market is going to throw at them. And it goes like this. 
There's a provision in Obamacare that penalizes hospitals. It grades them basically on a curve, kind of, for readmissions for sick people in this 30-day period. So the gist of it would be this. If you have a hospital, whatever, you know, Bob's Hospital, and you're Bob, and you admit someone for a heart problem, and they fix the heart problem, whatever it may be, put in a valve, a stand, who knows. And then you have to readmit Bob within this 30-day window because Bob gets sick again or has an additional heart problem then the hospital gets penalized through its government payments that will then essentially dry up in some respects, Medicare, those types of things, third-party payer payments by the government. It was a way for the government to say, and this makes sense to liberals, I get it, but you know, liberals never analyze the second-order effects. To liberals, they go, well, what's the problem? We shouldn't be giving our money or paying money to hospitals that are readmitting patients that they couldn't fix the first time. Okay, but liberals, you can stop listening now because this is where like the, the liberal portion of the show stops and the actual intellectual portion of the show begins. Because as Thomas Sowell used to say often, you know, what are like the second order effects? What happens now? Like what's next? Well, what wound up happening, folks? What always happens when the government institutes a set of guidelines? People game the guidelines to get paid from the government and in turn game the consumer and the patient in the process. This is incredible. There's a Journal of American Medicine, uh, JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. They had a study, and this is not a right-wing, right-leaning organization, by the way, folks. So JAMA put this study out about this readmission penalty and... But libs are celebrating this, by the way, because readmissions fell. Now, you may say, well, Dan, what's the problem? Libs should celebrate. They, want, they don't want people readmitted to the hospital. People are sick. Readmissions fell from 20% to 18.4%. Okay, great. Terrific. As I said uh, this morning, I was talking about this. Money! They cleaned up. They got their money. This is great. Readmissions, we cut them. Twenty was twenty percent. It's now eighteen point four. Um, unfortunately, folks, mortality rose from seven point two percent to eight point six percent, equivalent to fifty four hundred more deaths per year. Now, the why matters here. Now that we're past the wonkery portion of this, why would that happen? How could government planners screw something up so badly that even when they hit their target, lower readmission rates? They still kill people. I'm not laughing. It's not funny. It's just, it's so pathetic. I'm serious. I wake up every day thinking, what liberal stupidity today am I going to have to combat in my life? Because there's nothing you can tell liberals. People are dying because of this. Because what's happening, folks? Hospitals are gaming the system. Because they have to stay in business, and they're getting paid by the government, not by the patient. So what are they doing? They're gaming who's admitted in the first place. Because if you're not admitted, you can't be Readmitted. So, you know, Joey Bag of Donuts comes in, you know, and it's, it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm you know, Elizabeth, uh, I'm coming for you. And you're, you know, you're, they're, they're ready to have a heart attack. And the hospital's like, well, you know, I'm not saying this is a, this is a hyperbolic example, but an example nonetheless. It's a little trauma for effect. But hey, is he really sick? I don't know. He could be faking. Send him home. Don't admit him. Cause if we admit him and then we got to readmit him, we're going to lose our money. So that could be one reason mortality rates have jumped. Mortality, meaning more people are dying because of Obamacare since this has passed. Another reason is once these patients are admitted, they don't want to be readmitted no matter what. So when they come back to the hospital the second time, like, oh, chest pains, I can't breathe. The hospital's like, wait, hold on, folks. We readmit this guy in a 30-day window. We're going to take a big hit on this. 
So all of a sudden, and I'm, I'm not knocking the doctors of the hospital. I want to be clear. These are really good people. I got doctors in my family who are wonderful. I'm just trying to make the point that this is actually happening in the real world, folks, in real time right now. Mortality rates have gone up. They've, and the point I'm trying to make, too, is liberals are celebrating this. Liberals are out there with Obamacare. Forget about the other. I mean, it's been a total economic and financial disaster, a planning disaster, a website disaster, a deductible disaster, a community rating guaranteed issue disaster. But even one thing they celebrate as a success. Well, look at this. Readmission rates, we push them down. The one thing they're celebrating as a success is a success because it's actually killing more people. This is the journal... The JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association. I'm not making this up. It's not Dan Bongino's medical journal. It's not the medical journal of the you know conservative review. This is a nonpartisan group of actors who's put out there a study showing that this policy is leading to more deaths and liberals still celebrate it. Folks, it's frustrating. On a very serious note, I have been punished, punished by Obamacare. I have people in my family, I don't want to say who, I don't want to put them in a bad spot, but companies they work for who are being bankrupted by this. I've had my premiums go through the roof. I've had them explode. I've been a victim of this. I don't speak with forked tongue. Like I said, I do okay. I am by no means rich. I am not floating and swimming in money like Scrooge McDuck. I have been wrecked by this. This has destroyed budgets, and I think it's time that liberals wake up and smell the coffee on this. We come back on the other side of the break, by the way. I want to talk about one more uh, portion of this because it's important, this individual mandate scam that the liberals are trying to fight against now, too, because it's really a total, complete Megillah. We're being just screwed by this royally. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, at D. Bongino on Twitter. If you want to comment, if you want to criticize, I'm good for it all. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at DBongino on Twitter. If you'd like to send a tweet, comments, criticisms, whatever you got, happy to read them. Uh, if you want to call us, 877-381-3811. And uh, by the way, my wife has informed me during the break via text, even though she can yell from the other room. I have a home studio, which I love, that my daughter's Christmas list is not ice cream sitna. It is, in fact, ice cream stand. I um, am having a tough time apparently reading five-year-old. My wife, as always, is better at just about everything, even translating my lovely daughter's uh, writing. It is not an ice cream sit. Nah, it is the ice cream stand. And I know what it is now. It's the American Girl ice cream stand. It's got to be. I, it has to be. It's got to be it. She was showing me something like that earlier. So, Santa, again, if you're out there listening, Christmas seasons are coming. Hope to see. <laughs> I don't have a chimney. It's Florida. We don't have chimneys down here. There is no reason in Florida to ever have a chimney. I love it down here, but on Christmas it's about 97. So there's no reason to ever light a fire in Florida ever. Just no. There are no chimneys then. They sneak in. The Santa comes in through the uh, like the sliding door in the back in my crib. All right. I said I would talk about this other uh, stipulation in Obamacare. This other uh, you know kind of tenet of Obamacare that's really blown it. And again, it, it kind of fits along what I was talking about before, how 
the readmission thing on Obamacare actually led to what the JAMA, the Journal of America, the American Medical Association said may have been up to 5,000 more deaths. And liberals are celebrating it. Well, there's another portion of this that's come up recently. I'm not just bringing it up randomly. It's come up in the news because it relates to the current tax debate. And that's been the individual mandate. The individual mandate, which is basically the Obamacare penalty, it's the tax if you don't buy these crap Obamacare plans at crap prices, uh, you will be penalized by the IRS. It's a significant amount of money, by the way, for some people. Now, what's puzzling about this individual mandate is, again, despite the numbers, which are painful, about well, who the individual mandate actually hurts, liberals are doubling down on this now, and there's a why, folks. The why matters here. Liberals are deathly afraid of two things about the individual mandate. Here's the first thing. They are terrified that if the government pulls it and repeals the individual mandate that forces people to buy Obamacare under the penalty of law and the IRS will enforce it, they are afraid that people are going to drop Obamacare in droves, which they will, because Obamacare generally sucks. It is an overpriced product for an unbelievable amount of money. Frankly, most of you would probably be better off just putting that money aside and spending the money in a cash and carry because you're wasting a ton of money on inflated insurance, vasectomy coverage, and hair transplant coverage you don't need and wouldn't buy on your own. So reason number one behind this is they are deathly afraid that people are going to just dump this stuff in mass and they are going to be left holding the bag. I mean, it's pretty hard to continue to advocate for a product like liberals do. Oh, Obamacare, it's just the Messiah, Obama, the eponymously named Obamacare, the greatest thing ever. It's kind of hard to advocate how wonderful this is, Obamacare, in a public forum, what we would call politics, when people dump it in droves when you don't penalize it. So that's reason number one. Reason number two, though, is a little more intricate. The Obamacare individual mandate is, is, by pulling the individual mandate, the government saves money. The government would save money because a lot of these subsidies that they would be paying people to buy overinflated crap insurance they don't want, a lot of these subsidies wouldn't be paid. Those savings in the government budget can be used by Republicans up on Capitol Hill in the Senate and on the House side to buy down the rates in the tax cut plan as well. So for us, getting rid of the individual mandate is a good positive double whammy. Number one, you don't force people to buy crap insurance they don't want. And number two, you buy down the tax rates because now you have more money to play with in the budget. This is a win-win. But on the other side of the break, I'm going to explain to you how this is really screwing over poor people and amazingly how liberals still celebrate it, like I just said. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. Info Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Making conservatism great again. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. All right. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, contributing editor over at Conservative Review, at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for Mark. Hey, folks, by the way, if you missed it somehow, the unbelievable news, I'm here to fill you in 30 seconds or less. 
Mark's got a show on Fox News. I, I saw this. Listen, I, I work with Mark at Conservative View, and i got to tell you, even I was kind of taken aback. I was like, really? Boy, this is amazing. You know, because I work remote, so I don't get involved in, like, office meetings and stuff. I do my own thing, right? I was like, this is sweet. He was headline and drudge that day. It was all over the place. It's going to come out in February of 2018. So right around January, so get your uh, your DVRs ready to go. I'm going to be watching it live. It's going to be Sunday, 10 o'clock Eastern on Fox News. It's going to be called Life, Liberty, and Levin. Folks, if, if I've, now I watch Levin TV on, on, on CRTV. I, you know, I get, I'm privileged enough to get it uh, for free because I work here. But it's CRTV. Levin TV is available now. It is a wonderful product. If it's even half the show Levin TV is, it's going to be an awesome show. But I know it'll be just as good. So make sure you tune into that. Life, Liberty, and Levin starting in February of 2018. And go to CRTV.com. That's CRTV.com. You can get Mark every night on Levin TV there. And CRTV's running all kinds of deals today. So go check it out, CRTV.com. I'm super excited about that. All right, so I told you what I would do here. On, I would tell you again how another liberal policy is blowing up in their face in regards to this individual mandate. Now, here's the scam. I'm going to get to some calls in a minute here, by the way. But here's the scam. This individual mandate, there are two reasons that the liberals hate this thing. Again, the first one is because they're afraid if they don't penalize people that people are going to dump Obamacare in droves because... It sucks. That's why. It's as simple as that. It's overpriced, and people have to pay for stuff they don't want, like hair transplants when they're already bald. They don't want a hair transplant. They certainly don't want to pay insurance for it. It's overpriced, overregulated. People don't want it. Liberals are terrified that if they don't force people to buy it, they're not going to buy it. Secondly, they're afraid if the Republicans get rid of it, they're going to have all this room. It's about $330 billion to essentially buy down the tax rates from the savings, which would mean an even bigger tax cut, which would mean profound economic growth. And they are terrified that if the economy grows under Trump, that they are going to be forced to live with the foil effect. You all know what the foil effect is, right? That's why they put diamonds on a dark black background. Because it's a foil, it's a contrast. It makes the diamond look that much brighter, shinier, makes it shimmer more. The diamond hasn't changed, but the background makes it appear brighter. I'm telling you, mark my words, bank on it, take it to the bank and cash that check. The liberal class and the liberal intelligentsia knows the Obamacare, Obamanomics agenda was an absolute abysmal failure. They know it. They're not stupid. They can look at the GDP numbers. They can look at the unemployment numbers. They can look at the underemployment numbers. They can look at median income. They can look. These are not dumb people, folks. We can disagree with them politically, but do not underestimate them. These are not dumb people. They've looked at the same numbers you and I have. They know the Obamanomics agenda was a train wreck. They thought Hillary was going to get elected. The Obama economy would rebound a little bit with her in office and that they would be able to take credit for it. But their worst nightmare happened. And their worst nightmare was the election of Donald Trump. Because they knew the Obama economy, as terrible as it was, wouldn't continue forever because of the power of the American entrepreneur and businessman. Even despite the awful Obama uh, economic agenda, they knew the American economy would recover eventually, and they were praying it would happen under Hillary Clinton. Now what do they have to deal with? They have to deal with the foil effect. They have to deal with the contrast of eight years of a crap economy under Obama and what's going to be if these tax cuts pass and the individual mandate is yanked out and they can lower taxes by another $300 billion, they're going to have to deal with an exploding economy 
and they're going to have to deal with telling their kids forever that what happened in the Reagan years and all that, they're going to have to deal with that same thing again, where under four years of malaise under Jimmy Carter, everybody saw this exploding economy under Reagan, and he was reelected in one of the biggest landslides in U.S. history. Liberals are terrified that's going to happen again because they know their policies are garbage, that liberalism is a bumper sticker, that it doesn't mean anything, and that their economic agenda is complete garbage. They know this. It's always been about control for them. They are genuinely scared. So they are fighting this individual mandate at all costs to keep it in there. So people will be forced to buy Obamacare, and the Republicans won't have more uh, room to maneuver on taxes, which may in turn uh, hurt the economic growth, which they don't want under Trump. They want economic growth to stay terrible so they can say, oh, look, it wasn't just Obama. Trump did it too. Now, here's the kicker with this individual mandate. Here's the scam, because there's always a scam. This penalty for not buying Obamacare is paid for by the poor and the middle class. This isn't paid by rich people. This penalty is paid by poor folks and middle class people. Again, here are numbers, folks. So liberals, you may want to put some cotton in your ears. I know you have a problem with facts and data. You've generally been amused, uh, excuse me, immune uh, to that kind of stuff through your vaccinations against facts and data when you were young children, which amuses me that that happens. But here are some numbers here. This penalty, the Obamacare tax for not having Obamacare, is paid by low-income individuals. Roughly 79% of households paid the tax, the Obamacare penalty, this is up from a piece in the Wall Street Journal, had annual incomes of less than $50,000. Again, this is not funny, folks. It's just another example of a, a misguided liberal fairy tale. Oh, uh, you know, individual mandate, the res- individual responsibility payments. This is going to make sure that people don't game the system. Who, poor people that can't afford your overpriced insurance crap? 79% of households that paid the tax had annual incomes of less than 50K. Here's where it gets even worse. 90% that paid this tax, the Obamacare tax, had incomes less than $75,000. Those are IRS numbers, by the way, because I know liberals have a tough They'll think we made this up. They have a tough time with reality. Those are the IRS's own numbers. You're being scammed. You're being totally screwed over. It is poor people that are being, and, and, and middle class folks, to be fair. But this is not affecting the rich. Less than 10% of the people paying the tax are what we would call even remotely rich, 75000 and up, which is questionably rich at best. Another effort. You know, there's a big difference between misfeasance and malfeasance, right? For those of you out there who aren't familiar with the terms, like misfeasance would be, as I, I, I've used this example on this show before, would be like if an old lady walking down the street in front of you falls and you don't help her up, right? That's pretty crappy. That's a pretty terrible thing to do. You walk right by her. That would be an example of kind of like misfeasance, right? But that's not what liberalism is. It's not that liberalism doesn't help you. Liberalism is malfeasance. It's the equivalent of that older woman in front of you falls on the uh, falls on the concrete. It's not that you walk by her and ignore her. She goes to get up and you deck her in the face. That's malfeasance. That's a negative action you've taken against someone else. That's a, it's a, the level of moral depravity to do that is is sick. That's what liberalism is. That's why it bothers me so much. That's why I enjoy doing this show and out there evangelizing the conservative cause whenever I can. 
because it's really a war, an ideological war against liberals who are engaging in active malfeasance against people. I told you in the last segment, if you missed it, go back and listen on the podcast if you missed it, March podcast. I talked about how the readmission policy under Obamacare is probably killing people, thousands of people a year. Now I talk about how this penalty, this penalty is actively hurting people. The people who are paying it are not rich people. It's people who can't afford the product you're making them buy under penalty of law using the force of the IRS. What part of this are you missing? Oh, man. Now you see why folks like Mark and me and other conservative folks out there, the crew at Conservative Review, Dan Horowitz and Chris and all those folks, why we're out there every day. I mean, it's frustrating, folks. And I mean, Can I be candid with you for a minute? It's hard to do this. You will be generally accepted as kind of a cool cat. If you buy into liberal, that's me clicking a pen in the background. You're never supposed to do that. Imagine how annoying that would be, me on the air going, you'd like, you'd want to kill someone. Being a liberal, you will generally be accepted as a pretty cool cat in Hollywood, the entertainment community, the media community, and academia. All you have to do is parrot the lines. Yeah, tax the rich, you know, or healthcare's a right, uh, you know. Uh, uh, what are the other ones? I, uh, pay your fair share. I mean, it, it's all a thing. You know, the war on women. It, it, like I said, liberalism is a bumper sticker. Uh, coexist. <laughs> I love that one when I see that. I would love to coexist. If if, if uh, the Islamo radicals would stop killing us, I would love to coexist. Believe me, that would be wonderful. But it's a bumper sticker. It's crap. It's garbage. It's nonsense. It doesn't really mean anything. It's, it's a washed up fallacy. All of it. And it... <laughs> It's really, it's difficult to get up every day and have to fight this stuff. Because the easiest way out, the most cowardly thing you can do, is to fall into the trap and say, you know what, I forfeit. I forfeit. I understand that even me in conservative commentary, I would be accepted by the, by the uh, you know, intellectual elites if I would just acquiesce and say, oh, you know what, well, taxes, you know, screw those rich people, they're terrible. I refuse to do that, and you shouldn't either. Go out there and do the homework, and you'll find out. Ladies and gentlemen, that we are right. We are on the right side of this. We are on the right side of the tax debate. We are on the right side of the Obamacare debate, the health care debate. We are on the right side of the school choice education debate. We are on the right side of these social issues. We are right. Fight back, man. I know you got it in you. I know most of you do. I see you out there on social media all day fighting a good fight. I know it's tough. But we were all put here to sacrifice. I happen to be a, you know, a Christian and... The value of sacrifice is taught to me at a young age, man. Get in the fight. Get dirty a little bit. All right, let me take a call here. Squeeze one in. Let's go to uh, Philip in New Mexico. Philip, what do you got for us? Hey, Dan. How's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good. How's it going with you out there in New Mexico? Oh, not too bad. Hey, uh, first off, I'd like to uh, start off by saying God bless you, uh, your family, Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, uh, everybody at Fox News, and everybody at InfoWars. Um, first, I'd like to say uh, that you were talking about the taxes and how, uh, you know, who, who wants to pay more? It's yeah. kind of like the girl selling five-cent lemonade at a lemonade stand, and uh, some big fat cat guy comes up and says, hey, uh, sell that for $3. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, i got to sell it for $3, okay. And then the guy's stuffing it in his, you know, pockets, and he's holding a sign saying, don't mind the bills falling out of my wallet, and a big sign that says, you know, government. Uh, it's it's pretty sad how these people actually believe that government actually saves the people. You know, last I checked, uh, taxes were one of the big things that brought revolution, you know, into America and, you know, getting away from Britain. But 
you know, and another thing that I have a problem with is you've got Mitch McConnell and everybody complains about him and Paul Ryan and all these other cats that have been up there for, you know, eons. You know, I think there's an age after the Jurassic age for these people. And yet the people in Kentucky and all these other states, you know, in my state too, New Mexico, they vote these people in and they just keep voting them in. They just keep catering to the swamp. And I'm like, well, what are these people doing? No, no, Philip, you're right. I, I get it. But let me just, from my perspective, having run for office before, I've been in this fight. I ran three times. I didn't win. We came close one time. We lost by one point. Um, it was a really devastating race for me. It still to this day hurts even thinking about it. But I get it. I understand your complaints. But having run for office, seen the numbers, knocked on doors, I mean, literally thousands of doors, I think what happens, Philip, is, you know, people live really busy lives in the United States. I mean, I'm not apologizing for anybody. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just trying to explain to you why I think incumbents consistently get elected. It Name recognition in a primary is tough to overcome. Remember, when you're in a primary, there's nothing to help people discriminate between you and the next guy. Nothing. In other words, if I run in a primary, I'm not running ever again, just to be clear. But if I were to ever run, it doesn't say Dan Bongino next to it like asterisk, super conservative dude. It doesn't say that. It's just your name. So the reason incumbents get elected over and over and over is because people go in, who you know, they have busy lives, they're soccer moms and dads, they're shuttling their kids around, they don't have time to research. I'm, I'm not apologizing, I'm just saying this is what happens. And they go out and they say, oh, they see the first name there that makes sense, like, oh, McConnell, he's a senator, right? And they check that box. I know, I've been in the process, that's what happens. I'm not saying it's right, and I appreciate the call, Philip. I'm up against a break here, but all I can say to you folks is, I'm not lecturing anybody. Please don't take it the wrong way, but don't automatically default to the incumbent. Obviously, you see a primary, look up all the candidates. You got someone who says something good on there, you may want to try your vote somewhere else. I think everybody should be primaried all the time. It keeps conservatives honest. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, at DBongino on Twitter. Filling in for Mark. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for Mark. Hey, uh, folks, I really appreciate you all tuning into the show and all your feedback on Twitter. It does mean a lot to me. I enjoy being here. It's a great honor, Mr. Uh, producer, Mr. Call Screener. Thanks for another uh, great job tonight, and Mark for allowing me to sit in. And I just wanted to leave you tonight with a final thought I haven't got to, which may surprise many of you who are who know me and follow me on social media and are tuning in tonight expecting maybe a bit of a different show. Um, I say that because I have been on the receiving end of a, a ton of negative social media traffic from the Clinton machine over the past 36 hours because I did a hit on Fox, an appearance on Fox News, and said clearly that during my time working there that she was a deceptive and manipulative person. I, I worked uh, with her uh, during my time in the Secret Service, and I, I feel like I owe you a bit of an explanation. I want you to understand, folks, that I completely get why many of you who know me and follow me, and some of you just heard of me for the first time tonight, would say, well, you know, isn't there a certain omerta there? Yes, you know, you'd be right. You know, we do call it the Secret Service for a reason. But the reason I chose to speak out, and I've been intentionally cryptic about some of the information, folks, that I know and has been given to me, is one, I don't want to get anybody else hurt. I don't mean physically hurt. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I mean hurt like their careers and things like that. These are people who've shared things with me in confidence, and I'm not going to break their word. 
So it's, some of it's not my information to share, even though I know what it is. But secondly, because I served in the Secret Service for 12 years, I think the Clintons are under the impression somehow that because you worked with them or for them at some point in some capacity, Secret Service or otherwise, that somehow you're obligated somehow to cover for all of their misdeeds all the time. Folks, no. No, no. That is not the way a constitutional republic works. There's no one out there that's above the law. No, we don't report in the Secret Service on them picking their nose or something like that, but we are under no obligation whatsoever, me or anyone else, to cover up your misdeeds and potential corruption out there. And the fact that I know stuff, I'm sorry that that bothers. They've been on a roll, by the way. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you don't, I mean, you don't have to, but you can look on Twitter and you'll see what I'm talking about. The Clinton machine has been after me for 36 straight hours, which I'm, hey, listen, I was born for the fight, man. I'm good. I'm game. Don't worry about me. But they do it because they protect their own, and they got to protect the crown at all costs. So I didn't explain that during the show. I, you know, I know some of you tweeted me and wondering why I hadn't addressed it. It's because I didn't want to give the Clinton camp any more publicity than they need. But I owe you, I owe you that much. Hey, thank you very much for all the feedback. If you want to follow me again on Twitter, I'm at dbongino. I am Dan Bongino, the verified page on Facebook. There are a bunch of fake pages out there, unfortunately. And I'm sure I will be back with you soon. Thanks to Mark and thanks for the crew for another great time on the radio. I appreciate it. 